Hi everyone, welcome back to Brand 2020. Today is April 10th, 2018. On Brand 2020, we focus on Japan's attempts to portray itself to the outside world, sometimes known as propaganda, and how it portrays itself to the citizenry and the people who live here, foreign companies as well. Today my guest is David Russell, a communication specialist. You've been in town for a long time, David. You're a person that's always on the circuit, somebody I admire very much. Thank you very much, Tim. It's really, a, it's a pleasure, and I, I've got to say, it's, it's a privilege to be here. I've been a fan of Tokyo on Fire for a long time, and you've had so many important people sitting in this chair. It's, it's really an honor to be in the hot seat. No, thank you very much. Listen, you've been doing corporate communications for a long time. You actually are, are kind of pushing the envelope. You published this book, this unbelievable, this fantastic book on Kikoman, you know, a, a focus on the the company and the culture and the, the philosophy, the whole thing. It's a beautiful book. It's basically a business book. Yes, it is. It is basically a business book, but it's a business book for general readers. Uh, as you know, I've been writing books about Japanese companies for a long time. I think this is my 15th book, uh, mostly on Japanese companies right. and the Japanese economy in general. Um, this is something that my company does as a communication service for Japanese clients. And we focused on a number of companies. Kikoman is only the most recent. Mm -hmm. But we try to give these companies a different way to appeal to the public at large, to their business partners, their suppliers, and their customers. Why don't companies do this? I mean, this is very rare. It is very rare. And I, I should say it's very rare in Japan. It's pretty commonplace overseas. Mm -hmm. Companies overseas very regularly hire professional writers and say, do a book about us, rather than trying to do a book from the company itself. As you know, many Japanese companies do publish books about themselves, mostly in Japanese, but they have the company produce the book, and sometimes I've seen cases where I've been told, oh, this book will be published by our publishing division. Well, then its public relations value is close to zero. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, most Japanese companies It's have, corporate speak. Yeah, of course it is. And the books are basically written by the PR department of the company. Right. And Japanese companies have very, very little experience, even with the concept of having someone outside the company write about them, do a portrait, warts and all, but still make the company look very appealing. Mm -hmm. And to me, the best way, for, in fact, the only real way to do what we now call corporate communications and public relations is to get inside the company and make it look attractive, to bring out the things that are most interesting in the company, which the company doesn't necessarily understand. You know, it strikes me as strange. When countries do this, we sometimes call it diplomacy or, or propaganda. Mm. And the Japanese aren't really that good at it. I mean, they've employed lots of different methods to, to try and appeal to the foreign audience about how cool Japan is, how what omotenashi means, and what the Japan food culture is like, that sort of thing. But it, it really is somewhat stumbling. Sure. And for Japanese corporations, it also um, strikes me that even though the largest PR firm in the world, Dentsu, is here in Japan and dominates the PR agencies, it dominates the, the landscape, Japanese companies are not really that good, that skillful at really conveying the message. Maybe it's conveyed to a, a Japanese sensibility, I kind of don't think so, where, where it hits them in a way that they, they want to contribute, they want to buy that product, they want to have that kind of lifestyle, it seems to be there's, there's some, some veneer that's missing. Exactly. I, I think you hit a couple of good points there. One, it's certainly true that uh, Japanese companies are not good at communicating about themselves 
even to the Japanese public. They're not good at communicating, even in their own language. They're absolutely horrible at communicating in foreign languages. And again, it's not a linguistic problem. Right. Uh, it's a problem of attitude and approach. Most large Japanese companies feel we're famous, we're well-known in our market, why should we even try to explain ourselves? Everybody soy knows sauce. who we Everybody are. knows what well, soy sauce is. that's a different is. one. That's a product thing. Here, you know, in Japan, yes, everyone knows soy sauce and everyone knows kikkoman and they have a huge share of the local market. So their feeling is we don't really have to explain who we are. It's more of a shinhatsubai kind of mentality. And it's less so with someone in the food business, but as you know, if you're a car company right. or an electronics company, a camera company or a beer company, all of your advertising is oriented around Shinhatsubai. What are we releasing this the new week? Product. We've it's, got a new product and we don't have to talk it. about our company, we talk about our products. Mm -hmm. And the only thing we really say, here's our feature list, what's different from what we released last month. Right. Right? And that's it. And it's all advertising and no PR. It's often said in the business that PR in Japan stands for press release. There is no concept of public relations in Japan. There is no concept of corporate communications in Japan. I've seen more and more companies now that have corporate communications. When you receive a meishi, it'll say corporate communications department. Very impressive. You go to the company and you look to see what's going on in there. It's nothing like what we would see as corporate communications. It's just a, a new name for an old department. Why is that? I mean, let's talk about Dentsu just for a second. They're a monster. They're they huge. They control uh, television. Uh, you know, press, uh, billboards, all sorts of avenues yes. to hitting the, the consumer's eye. They have a tremendous amount of power and influence. I think we have to be careful before we talk about it. Yeah, Dentsu is huge. As you say, they're very, very big in this market. They're not as powerful or as influential as they used to be. Uh, a lot of things following on from the Lehman shock have affected Dentsu's cash flow, let's say. They had to reduce their prices substantially. Clients discovered that they could get essentially the same product for a much lower price from the same product. And I think it's been difficult for Dentsu to pull their prices back up. Mm -hmm. This isn't just a case of Dentsu. All of the ad agencies are in the same boat. It's very difficult to charge clients the kind of fees that they want to charge for the kinds of services they're delivering. Now again, in the domestic market, the two biggest ad agencies, Dentsu and Hakuhodo, have almost a stranglehold. Uh, 20 years ago, they did have a stranglehold on the mass media. Dentsu controlled television to an extent that is incomprehensible in anything other than a banana republic. Uh -huh. right? um, Saddam Hussein probably had the control <laughs> over his television networks that Dentsu has in Japan, had in Japan. Uh, but that influence is waning, and it will probably continue to do so. Uh, the market is becoming a little bit more open in that sense. Mm -hmm. I stress little. Well, it squeezes out uh, other competitors, uh, in particular uh, foreign competitors. There are a lot of very polished uh, foreign brands that are in Japan appearing to be doing well, good offices, nice sure. um, you know, executive suites, hiring a lot of people, but I'm really curious about how much of the churn they're actually well, being able to, to generate. Well, if you come back to public relations, which is more of an interesting topic, I think. Yes, there are a lot of global pub public relations. For in fact, all of the global PR agencies are here. The big agencies, uh, uh, Edelman and Weber Shandwick and Fleischmann Hillard and Ketchum and all the big boys all have offices. Just they have to be global. They have Milan, very London. nice offices. But right. yes, they've got to have what we used to call their letterhead. Nobody has a letterhead anymore now. But it's the same thing. They want a list of offices on their website. So when they say to clients, we provide global service, the client doesn't say, well, what about Tokyo? Right. So we have a nice Tokyo office and we've got a lot of people in there. What are they doing? Very little, I'm mm -hmm. sorry to say. I've had lots of contact with the big PR firms here, some of the big foreign PR firms, and if you ask them straight out, you know, what's your client breakdown? 
in almost every case, I say about 50-50 foreign clients and Japanese clients. And then you take the CEO out for drinks and you get off the record. And well, what is it? Well, it's about 90% foreign clients and a little bit of Japanese business. Now, the Japanese business is growing, but it's no 50% share of what they're doing. So what's really going on is that these companies have a Tokyo office so they can brag to their foreign clients about having a Tokyo office, and then they provide services in Tokyo for overseas clients right. who sure. basically uh, pay a, for a global campaign. Sure. Yeah, you get a global campaign, we'll do your Japan site also. It's one of 100 company, countries where we're going to give you services. Mm -hmm. But that's very different from providing global quality public relations to Japanese corporations. And so Japanese companies really, in that sense, are being shortchanged. What is it? What's the essence that we're, we're missing? Not we're missing, but that the PR um, advertising, not advertising because it looks like they have advertising down pat here. It's more the PR, the corporate communications, the kind of, the kind of things that you're advising Japanese companies to, to, to follow. Where is that? Well, that missing. A lot of it, the problem is just the traditions here. The history of, of Japanese corporate communications is a very shallow history. It's basically focused on advertising. Mm -hmm. um, the agencies that grew up, you know, the, the, if you look at the history of Dentsu, very interesting, and Hakuhoto, these companies grew up to sell advertising to their clients. And Japanese companies are very, very accustomed to doing advertising. They pay huge fees, uh, big not just for that, in right? Japan, but for overseas. They pay huge fees for advertising. And in many cases, the advertising to get in Japan is first rate. Is that because they can reflect on their balance sheet, we paid this much and our sales kind of ticked up like that, whereas... No. No. Uh, I don't think Japanese companies uh, ever try to tie sales to advertising, and it's, a, it's actually a, an unwritten rule in the ad industry. You say, well, we never, we never guaranteed that these ads would, would result in better sales. Uh, Japanese companies are used to doing advertising because they're used to doing advertising. Uh, Dentsu, for one, has offered clients a services over and above advertising that we shouldn't discuss right here. But let's just say Dentsu has provided a level of security for their clients that goes beyond what they would get just through a, a magazine ad. And that has helped companies to justify the fees that they've paid. Understood. All right. Right. But... The, I mean, the, the fundamental problem here is that companies understand advertising. And as I say, in the domestic market, they get pretty good ads. Overseas, the Japanese advertising agencies are clueless. They usually have to work through foreign companies to develop those ads. In some cases, they develop, for example, English language advertising in-house in Japan and provide it to clients. And then in some cases, it goes out just as is. And in some cases, the client has someone in-house in their own company who looks at it and says, whoa, hit the brakes. What an excruciating process. I've been called in on more than one occasion where uh, one of the major agencies, we won't name them, has provided a whole uh, television advertising campaign for a major, major Japanese company. And when the company got what they paid for, they said, we can't show this. This is garbage. Mm -hmm. And they called me in and said, what can you do? We can't change the visuals. They're already locked in. Could you rewrite it? Yeah, okay, as best I can. Rewrite the television ad campaign. Rewrite the magazine ad campaign. The, the visuals in the magazine ad and the text in the magazine ad didn't match up at all, and the English was terrible. The TV version, the visual version, was even worse. Mm -hmm. And it all had to be redone at extra cost to the client. And little by little, Japanese companies are coming to understand this isn't the smartest way for us to do business. We can get better value elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So how, I mean, for, for people who are watching this that might be in the Ministry of Finance or the Foreign Ministry, how, how, how is this meaningful to them in portraying 
Japanese to the outside world because it's it seems to be a, a cultural context. Yes, there is, certainly there is a cultural aspect to it. Uh, the corporate problem is very much a corporate structural problem, but there is some sense of of a cultural background here. And the real problem that you brought up right at the beginning is not in corporations explaining themselves to, for example, customers overseas. The, the bigger problem is Japan trying to explain itself to the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And Japan has done, I would say, just about as bad a job portraying itself and its its desires, its long-term vision to the outside world as Japanese companies have done in trying to present their case to customers overseas. Why? Good question. Why? I don't really know the, the, the inside of that. Uh, I, I'm sure that part of the answer involves the organizations that they have asked to help them to craft their message and to communicate their message. The messages that have been crafted, I think, have been embarrassingly bad. And as you know, the, I mean, the, the, whole th the whole cool Japan thing, which uh, you know, anyone who's been in Japan or has any, any affection for Japan right. refers to as Hello Kitty Japan. Right. What you're trying to do is take a country with a thousand year plus history, a country that's created some of the greatest cultural landmarks, in the, you mm -hmm. know, the tale of Genji, I mean, you name it, all sorts of very highbrow, high culture things, and dumbed it down to cool Japan, which is anime and Harajuku fashion, all of which are good things, and good things to advertise, but to make that the standard bearer for Japan and the, the, the most attractive aspects of Japan, it, it's Hello Kitty Japan. Well, some people might say, well, that's just, you know, you're just an arrogant white guy, especially from America, you know, kind of pushing your, your views on, on us Japanese. You know, we know how to do things. We know how, how to uh, respond to, to situations and to appeal to people. It's, it seems to me that there, there really is an essence here that foreigners, foreign countries, and that's a broad term because not everybody reacts the same way, but it does seem that there's a competitive advantage maybe that, that some Western countries, because of their, their long-term advancement in different aspects of marketing or in, um, uh, corporate communications, they've, they've figured out a little bit of a trick the, of, of triggering psychology, the human psychology that seems to... Well, to be lacking. I'm not sure. I can't put my of, finger on it. One of the fundamental problems here, and it's a fundamental problem in corporate communications, and it's an equally fundamental problem in national communications, is what I refer to as broadcast PR. And that's essentially what's been going on in Japan forever. Uh, Japanese companies, uh, in general, when they want to communicate something, it's what we want to say. So I'm going to tell you what my new products are. I'm going to tell you what you need to know about my share price. It's like my teachers in college. Exactly. Right. Basically, the sensei is lecturing to you. and It's all one-sided communication, which is not communication at all. Uh, yesterday, I had to lecture to a, an investor relations seminar where I literally did have to lecture. And I tried to, to say to them, this is the wrong way to communicate with shareholders. It worked well 50 years ago. It doesn't work well now. There has to be a, a give and take. There has to be interactive. This is what social media are all about. Mm -hmm. You notice now, all of the ministries in Kasumi Gaseki and the Kante all are using a whole raft of social media now, at least to give the impression that we want interactive we communication. That's we right. care about you. But this is very new. How well they're actually using that and how much they truly believe in that is a whole different discussion. But the problem is for the country, as with the corporations, is very one-sided. We're Japanese. We know what we should be proud of. We know what foreigners want. We know what foreigners should want to see when they come here, so we're just going to tell you. Mm -hmm. 
And that attitude of, we know what we want, and so we're going to tell you what's important, and you're going to take notes, and then you're going to come here, and you're going to go to the temples that we told you to go to, and you're going to go see all the tourist sites that we think are important. That attitude has helped to sink Japan. Is it changing? It is changing, and it's changing for a lot of reasons. The attitude isn't changing so much, um, but one of the things that's changed in every aspect of communications, of course, is the internet, mm -hmm. which has suddenly pulled the rug out from under these people and said, wait a minute, the whole rest of the world is able to share their opinions. And, you know, it's the TripAdvisor generation where people can say, hey, don't listen to what they said about this. This is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Or I found this thing and this is really cool. Let's go see right. that. And so there's a lot more peer-to-peer -peer sharing that's making the one-sided PR, the broadcast side of it, much less important than it used to be. But the fundamental problem is still that we know best, we're going to tell you. And that's really hurting not just the country, the corporations have to get over that. Mm -hmm. This is a kind of a soft power that, um, that the, if, if you're being critical about it, you could say that the Japanese are beginning to amass experience and, and skill in that at the same time that the, the foreigners uh, are the foreign uh, providers are kind of staying at a somewhat a, a steady level. And there comes a time where maybe the Japanese can, you know, take on their own. Are the foreign competitors, you know, increasing a market share? Is the market share kind of going down? Is there this kind of dynamic that's, that's happening? I'm not familiar with all the most recent statistics. What I'll say in general is that the market as a whole, the pie is not getting a whole lot bigger. And the reason is fundamentally is Japanese companies still don't understand PR. So they're not reaching out to the mm -hmm. PR companies and saying, help us. That's what's going to change. Is Little by little, Japanese companies would realize that we may not know best how to communicate our message in Thai, in Chinese, in Russian, in English. Maybe we should go to professionals who not only have the language skills, but are professionals in communicating corporate activities, corporate philosophy, corporate vision to their stakeholders. Mm -hmm. And as that begins to happen, two things, the pie will get bigger and the foreign share of the pie will grow exponentially. Okay, but here in Japan, I can kind of see that for a, a foreign national company coming into this, this market, they might be hand-holding with their provider in the United States sure. or what other, other country they come from for a bit, but they see that the lion's share, if they really want to get a deal, these guys are going through them too, maybe backdoor, but it, it might be a, a better deal to go direct to you know, Hakuhodo or, yeah. or Denso. That, that tension you is- You can criticize them all you want. The, the big Japanese companies have enormous clout in this market. If I were the communications director, of a big U.S. firm, for example, and I were sent to Tokyo, first thing I'd do is get an account with Dentsu. Right. I'd say, look, we want TV commercials. How are we going to get that? Dentsu can pick up the phone and it's done, just like that. Easy as pie. I want not just advertising. I want articles in the newspaper. I want product placement mm -hmm. in TV shows. Where are you going to go? Is it a foreign company going to give you that? There are foreign companies that are starting to make little dents in there, but I don't have the time to fool around with that. Mm -hmm. I want results. I want them now. Forget about the budget. I'll pay whatever it costs. Show me the results. Dentsu mm -hmm. can do that for you. Right, right. In most Japanese companies, and probably a lot of foreign companies as well, the marketing department is is the biggest cash cow. I mean, it, it's the one that has the biggest budget. Sales probably is second, but this is where they spend most of their money, and this is where they need to reflect that the work that we've done has generated these kinds of results. So. Mm -hmm. It seems like a really difficult nut to crack. It is. It's a very difficult nut. And again, I, as you say, uh, 
the whole marketing side is just cash out, cash out. And the reason, by and large, not public relations, is that advertising is so ridiculously expensive related to the content creation. In this market, advertising is so expensive. And they've done- In all markets, it's expensive. It's ridiculously expensive. And certainly true in Japan. Well, they've, they've also done surveys that show the human eye being hit by the number of advertisements in any one day. And it's it's in the thousands, it's in the tens of thousands. You're being bombarded all the time, especially if you're walking through and this Akasaka or a fundamental Ginza. problem in corporate communications is that people disregard advertising. People are starting they to They shut just, it off. They just shut it off. And so many of my clients want to do magazine and newspaper advertising. And I say, how do you read a magazine? When you pick up a business newspaper, for example, I talk to my clients, I say, look, when you pick up the morning edition of the Nikkei Shimbun and you go through it, how do you read it? Do you sit back and read it for pleasure? No, they're going straight to the stock pages. They're picking up the key business items that they want to read about. If there's a full page ad, they're just so grateful to be able to turn a page quickly and not have to read any content on that. The more advertising, the less I have to look at. People want business news. It's equally true of people reading the Wall Street Journal or the FT. They want to turn those advertising pages and get to the meat of the paper. Nobody has time right. to sit back with their feet up and enjoy the paper anymore. Those days are gone. In the digital world, it's Again, uh, several exponents above that. You, you, if you see an ad, you're just going to click past it as fast as you can and move on. People are looking for content. And so the old model of advertising for these companies, lots of money being spent on things people are not looking at. People not only want content, though, they, they want connection. Sure. Right? And, and triggering that, that really is a skill. That's an that, art, isn't that, it? That is a huge, huge point yeah. that, that Japanese companies still don't get and that Western companies are struggling with. How do we engage with right. customers? How do we engage with investors and shareholders? That's a whole new world. People never had to deal with that. You know? mm -hmm. and, and Western companies have been struggling with it, for, I would say, the last decade, and things are going to get worse, not better. Mm -hmm. right? But Japanese companies still living in blissful ignorance. Corporate communications provides us a kind of a kernel into how Japan portrays itself, not only to the people who consume and live in Japan, but also to foreigners as well. Please stay tuned, Brand 2020.